The following podcast is brought to you by the Bridge Bible Church in Somerset, Wisconsin. For more information, please visit our website at thebridgewired.com. here. Welcome. Um, We're so pleased that you can worship together with us. Welcome to you who are viewing online. Um, Pastor Rob is still on vacation, enjoying a well-deserved vacation. Um, And so today we're going to have a guest speaker, one of our elders, Mr. Stan Falkenhagen. Stan, in in spite of his boyish looks and demeanor, has actually gone around the sun 60 times today. So we celebrate that with him. And before he speaks, would you please pray with me? Father, we thank you so much um, that we have the freedom to gather in this place and to worship your name. We thank you for uh, the life you give us in Christ. We thank you for the joy and the peace you bring us um, being in Christ. And so help us to continue, God, to worship you in our minds and spirits as we we listen to your word being shared this morning. I pray that you would guide the words that come out of stand today, that they would be your words for your people, that you just anoint him to preach with power and clarity, and that you give us ears to hear, Lord Jesus. May we honor you in, a, in, in listening to your word, letting it touch our hearts, and then even as we close, let us worship you in spirit and in truth. I pray this all in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Morning. We've been in Revelations uh, for the last month or so, Um, and today I'm not going to put uh, a a verse up like we usually do and go through it. I want to do a little bit of a recap on all the churches. As I came in this morning, I gave uh, Sierra the list of of the passages that we're going to put up on the screen. She said, this it? You're messing with me, right? (laughs) Made me start rethinking what I was doing here. (laughs) So I want to ask, and I want to have you help me ask, what would Jesus say to the bridge? So if if you want, you can grab your Bibles, you can... You can turn to Revelations 2 and 3, because we're just going to be mainly looking at the different churches and the different passages. We're going to compare them. We're going to look at to see maybe what would Jesus say to the bridge. But as you heard, it's, it's my birthday. Probably didn't hear it from me. I can be shy. 
But at my house, birthdays are a big deal. As a matter of fact, we take a week, and every day, someone gets, whoever's birthday it is, the week before, someone gets a little something. It could be silly. It could be PJs. For some reason, it's been, one of the days is usually two pineapples. I don't understand where the pineapples came from. <laughs> but you have to walk around the house because they, they take you on a hotter, colder hunt. And it's just, it's just good fun. It just expands the, the celebration and the, and the joy. And uh, it was great when my kids were younger. But now they're older. And I'm sorry to say, but no, we're still having birthday week. <laughs> so this week, because of the preaching thing, I decided I'm going to ask God for something every day. You might think that's kind of funny. What difference is it from every other day? <laughs> and the difference is I actually paid attention to what I got. And I got something every day. We'll come back to that. So as we, as we look at the messages for the churches in Revelations, were they, were they for the individuals? Were they for the churches? These churches were actually there. They were in a place. You can see pictures of them today. They had a cultural and a historical context. I love the way Rob and Josh did the research and put together why those letters were so important for those individual churches and how they mattered for the, for the culture. But the church is made up of, of people. It's not the buildings. It's not the locations. And there's kind of a sense as we look at these that, that we can hear the words of encouragement, maybe warning or challenge to us personally. So in the last 2,000 years, I don't really think we've changed I think we have the same motivations. I think we have the same passions. I think we're the same people. And I kept this in the back of my mind while I was kind of looking at preparing this service, but also as we were just listening in the last couple of months. Because maybe it can affect us right here at the bridge. So there's a challenge today. I want, you, I, want help, I want help from you with, with two-part question. We're going to talk about what Jesus might say to the bridge, but we're also going to say, we're going to ask, what would he say to you? So what would Jesus say to the bridge? Is that an arrogant question? Who am I to try to answer this. I really struggled with that this week. So, I'm actually not going to answer it from here. I'm thinking we should all answer it together. As I was uh, asking for gifts, I got kind of taught a few things. 
I was on a phone call in my office. I have an office in Stillwater. Uh, it's actually a business condo, so I, so I owned it. And I got a phone call from the banker. Apparently, the guy that did the mortgage years ago, he's gone, and he just wanted to introduce himself. I said, we were just talking. And as we were chatting, ah, I started asking questions like, well, what are the interest rates at? And did commercial real estate go up faster than residential real estate? Or the same? Or, and he said, no, they've gone up, but not quite the same. Not as fast as residential. And so I kind of got off the phone and actually went home. And that night at supper, I kind of brought the conversation back up. I was telling my wife, I'm like, I'm going to be 60. Do I need to be in Stillwater? Because when I started 33 years ago, I wanted to be in the metro area so I didn't have a long-distance phone bill. <laughs> that was really it. And I think Josh said, what's that? <laughs> well, I asked my wife, I'm like, well, you know, we could sell the asset, we could use it for something. I could be in New Richmond, I could be somewhere else. We name it. People don't even want to see me. <laughs> Just talk on the phone or Zoom or whatever. And I asked her, I said, what do you think? And she said, did you pray about it? <sighs> no. <laughs> What a punch in the nose. I mean, that's my thing. As an elder here, I, I didn't even think of it. But she was right. I'm human. I don't always ask for direction, guidance like I should. As an elder, as a, as a businessman, sometimes even as a, as a parent, father, or husband, just a person. Sometimes I assume that God gave me common sense. Maybe that's enough. That's not enough. I, I believe that he wants us to know his heart for our business, for the body. And maybe sometimes it's not the practical decision. Does anybody else struggle with that? Are we just good at decision-making on our own? Why is it so hard to, to ask him what he wants for us? Or maybe if you're like me, you're quick to ask. But then you're gone. I'll ask and I'll, and I'll move on to the next thing. Or I'll, 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 I won't stop to listen. I might even say, you might even have heard me say this. This is another one of my go-tos. I might say, Lord, if, if this isn't for me, you know, slam the door. Stop me from going through it. And I, don't, I think that's actually wise. I think there's a place for that. But I don't think it should replace the listening. I don't want, it to act, I don't want God to think, hey, this is the way I'm going. Stop me if this is wrong. In other words, I didn't listen. I need to list. I need an order of this.
So what does it take to listen to the Spirit? Don't just assume because he gave you a good head on your shoulders and a, you're a pretty logical person that that's a practical decision is maybe his decision. That's number one. As we're going through the word, we'll, I think we should ask him to show us. Make space for this. But we should do a third thing. I think we should recognize that by, by asking, we're actually listening. You're positioning your heart for, in humility or in openness to, to receive instruction. So let me pray for us. Lord, just thank you for bringing me through this week. And, answer, and ah, There were so many answered prayers. I praise you, Lord. But Lord, I now ask that the things that you have helped me with this week, you open the eyes for all of us. Help us hear your word. Help us just be clear. Give us direction. We love you, Lord. Amen. So, as we turn to Revelations, we'll notice a pattern. As Jesus told John what to write down in Revelations 2 and 3, with every one of the seven churches, he did a bunch of things that were constant. He first encouraged. There was some rebuke, if necessary. He gave them a challenge that would lead toward a blessing. And then he said, this is for the people who are listening. He actually says, he who has ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This is what I, I, I praise the Lord, I got all this week. He showed up. Changed the whole sermon. I had a plan. So he encouraged First, he was, he was quick to offer encouragement on what the church was doing well. So I ask, when you think of the bridge, when you think of what would Scripture tell us we're doing well? What would God tell us? What would the Spirit tell us we're doing well? We might see this from different points of view. I like, I like to pray. And so when I, when I see the service is over and Rob's done, and we're all just milling around and talking and, and, and reacquainting ourselves, sometimes I'll look around and I'll see people praying. Sometimes they don't even have a red lantern. Or lantern? Lantern. A red thing. <laughs> Because <laughs> it doesn't matter. Those people are really good at it, by the way. But I think that's, I think Jesus would look at that and say, nice. Keep going. Keep chasing after me. I think he would say different things to all of us. 
Second, he rebuked if necessary. Jesus rebuked the believers. He didn't, he didn't pull any punches. I think of this as a parent, and I think back to when I had little kids, four and five, older. And, and I didn't want to crush their spirit when I correct them. But if there's a danger, I'm absolutely not going to sugarcoat it. If you have a child, that, I had Josh. He's always moving. He could have jumped out in the traffic. I have Isabella. She'd want to meet somebody and then maybe escort them to their car. <laughs> she could still do that. So love demands that you protect them from the dangers that they don't see. The reaction that I might have might seem a little harsh, but it'll save them from destruction. I, I remember about 20 years ago, there was all kinds of parenting tips. Maybe this is still around, but there was this theory that maybe your kids hear the word no too much. Don't say no. Always no. And so I thought I'd take that to the other end of the teeter-totter. And so I would, ah, Caleb, he couldn't walk into a store without wanting everything. And so I'd say to Caleb, I'd say, should we take everything and jam it in our pockets and run out the door? <laughs> and I'd get this face, and he'd be like, no. My answer that I wanted. I should have been more aware of some of the other parents that might have heard. <sighs> I was never asked to babysit. That's a good trick. <laughs> he challenged them to, to walk towards a blessing. Now, this isn't the prosperity gospel. I'm not saying that if we do a certain thing, we'll get a blessing. But he ended every letter with a blessing for the one who would conquer. And that's just before the verse he put on my heart, let him who have ears to hear, hear what the Spirit says to the churches. In all of these letters, he discouraged the churches from walking as the world does. He wanted them to be noticeably different. Sardis, the church he accused of being dead, they had a good reputation. What must they have been saying to the world around them that made everybody feel so good? Maybe what topics would a church have to avoid today to be well-loved? I love it that we put the whole verse up and we go through it line by line. There's no hiding anything. I mean, not today, but <laughs> when Rob does it. In Luke 6.26, Jesus said, Woe to you when all men speak well of you. 
And John Piper said, if you don't have any enemies, your godliness is probably not showing very well. He added, we need this. Christians, we will be maligned all the more as American culture collapses around us as we take biblical stands over worldly stands. Every time, the one who conquered, was it a church or was it an an individual, a believer, who followed him without wavering, no matter what the cost. That's how we should love Jesus. So, what would Jesus say about all these to us? You know, more should be said about each one of these, and we could make a sermon into each one of them. But with each one, there's things to consider. Keep my challenge in mind. Think about the bridge as a whole. And then as you personally. We can, we can be more intentional about chasing after him. About, but what does your prayer life look like? What does your quiet time look like? I was kind of beating myself up when, it, when I was changing the sermon because my quiet time. Do you guys have friends that you just can't get a word in edgewise? I have, uh, I know I'm up here doing the sermon, but you guys are looking at me awfully hard. <laughs> That's my thing. Sometimes I, I don't let God get a word in edgewise. I was pleasantly surprised. About 10 days ago, Rob was teaching on a Wednesday. He, he teaches on a Wednesday at 6 o'clock. I recommend it. Uh, and I, it's, it's different from his preaching. There's no interaction. During the 6 o'clock uh, start time on Wednesday, we're interacting. There was only 10 or 15 of us, and, and he was doing something on the gifts. And people were giving us their input about where they are in their life. And, and it's just fun stuff. But... Amy Rybacki said something. And it's just stopped me. And I thought, as I was getting ready for this, I thought I should stop her afterwards, talk to her. And I completely forgot. And the next day, after the elder meeting, 10 o'clock, no, I don't even know what time, but in early morning, I'm driving down the road to the BP gas station to get some gas. There's a little sign. Rybacky. And I thought, there can't be two of them. (laughs) So I turned in. I pulled up and I was laughing to myself as I got out of the truck and I was walking into her office because my wife has told me, you're not going to get in to see her for, for other things we were talking about. She's like, she's so busy, she's just packed full. You want to get in to see her, you got to call, you got to make an appointment, and it's going to be a while. I don't know what a while is, I just imagine it's weeks or months. But, doop de doo. I walk in, I talk to the receptionist. Hey, I'm 
I'm Stan. Do you see me right back here? And she's like, yeah. This is really weird because she just had a cancellation. And so Amy walks up. She takes me to back, shows me all her new office. She used to be downtown Somerset. Now she's up here. We talked about prayer stuff. I don't know what I stole from her, but I'm pretty sure I did. And then she prayed for me. And she, man, that just lifted me up. I had a great day. And she gave me this weird look, though. Because I said, I was just thinking, hey, maybe you're there, and I'll just pull in here. And she looked at me like, it wasn't you. But she didn't say anything. That look stood, stayed with me. Six hours later, I finally realized, huh, that wasn't me. And then I thought, I did listen. <laughs> you know how you get really excited with something like that? That's because you don't do it enough. That was me. With Jesus, we don't just have an anchor that can keep us stationary or in a float. Sometimes he calls us deeper. Sometimes he asks us to trust him with our lives. What would it be like to live so much in Christ that we're not being tossed to and fro up in the surface of a, of a storm or just normal waves? Maybe he brings us down under the water and he's breathing for us. About, I think it was 15 or 17 years ago, I was talking with Carl and Julie Gady. Carl at the time was a psychiatrist or a psychologist or a healer of the mind. <laughs> Forgive me wherever you are. <laughs> and so was Julie. They both did the same thing. And he, gave, he brought me this idea that he's having about leaving the area, taking his family, going to Africa. Africa for me, I'm picturing safari. Sounds like a good week or two. But he was going to go to Uganda. And they were discussing going to a war-torn area where there's real danger, where people are running from their villages because they're seeing their spouses and their children killed, sisters and brothers and moms and dads, maimed. And with that kind of damage, both physically and mentally, I think he was telling me that, that there is, there's no way you can get healed mentally from that without forgiving. There's no way you can climb that mountain without Christ. It's just not possible. This week, I called him just to ask him if it was okay to talk about him. And he was telling me something. He said, it wasn't just listening. It was 
was making sure it wasn't just him wanting to go to Africa. So he and his wife, they first looked at Scripture. Is this on track? They, they tested it against Scripture. They tested it against other people that read Scripture, other wise counsel. Interestingly enough, when he was having these thoughts, she was having the same thoughts. That's crazy. That's not practical. They are both crazy. <laughs> Man, he, he did say that about five or six years ago, there was a gathering. And I was there with my wife. And it was talking about a couple of things, but one of them that I remember was how many people through this craziness got to know the Lord. And it was 10,000. And he's like, ah, I'm not really sure about the number. You know, you don't really know for sure. You don't really know who stuck it out. You don't get to know all that. He doesn't get to know that. Only God gets to know that. And then he goes, plus it was a bit silly. It just was so hard to keep up. I mean, love that. It's outrageous. You just can't keep track of God. So let's ask this one of ourselves candidly. Who are we to think we have them all figured out? He's infinite. There's always more to learn. More to know about him. If you, if you think you know it all about his plan for you, I'm guessing you're missing something. So what are the goals on the bridge based on? He spoke to each of the churches. He was mindful of the historical and the cultural part. He knew the demographics, what was going on in the society, and maybe how society influenced them rather than them influencing the culture. He may have adopted his message for each of the churches. But his character never changed. His goals didn't change. He's still the first and the last, the author of the story before the foundation of the world to the end of the world in eternity. So we can look at some of those things that don't change. Things that he's always wanted for his people. Luke 10, 27 says, And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. How are we doing with that? How is the bridge doing with that? How are you doing with that? Of your neighbors as themselves. In Matthew 5, 43 through 47, we have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good. And he sends rain on the dust and the unjust. 
For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles doing the same? I love the consistency of finding these things all through the Scripture. He also wanted his people to feed his sheep. In John 21, 15 through 17, it says, When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to them, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to them, Feed my lambs. And he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. I like to think of what's going on with Peter at this point. I was... Sometimes um, my wife will suggest that I do the dishes. She does not like to come home from whatever she's doing and see dishes. That's her pet peeve. And so she always does them. Always. Every now and then, in the balloon, she'll say, hey, can can you do the dishes? And so I might be on my phone playing a game, or I might be painting arrows, or I might be, who knows what I'm doing. But she'll say something like, can you do the dishes? before I get home. And it's her fault because she shouldn't have said before I get home. It gave me an out. And I'll, I'll be like, yeah, I got this. And then as, she, as she's maybe getting her coat on, she might be like, can you do the dishes? Just, oh yeah, I got it. Remember the whole behold before you get home thing? And then she might come over and give me a little peck. She might even whisper and that will wake me up. I'll go right over and do them. I won't do them well. But it takes three times. It's important. God is saying, feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. Take care of the body is what he's saying. How are we doing on taking care of the body? Let's be sure we're doing what the end of the letter to the churches of Revelation is mentioned. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Let's not be... Well, I'm not going to go into that because I'm going too long already. But he who has ears to hear, let him hear what he says. Let me try to land this. As, ah, when I was younger, I loved playing basketball. I love sports. And I noticed something. I'm not sure if I noticed it or if it was told to me years ago, but I think it's true in that at the highest level, the professionals, whoever's, however you're doing in the first half is how you're doing. It doesn't really usually change. They might be really, really close together, but if you're losing, you're losing. The 
coaches know this, they typically do not micromanage. They typically don't want to jump in the way and try to change something. They'll change a play, but they don't want to change something fundamentally because maybe the tight end can't figure out what the guard and the quarterback and the wide receiver, it all has to work together. They all have to be able to listen. And so when they go in for halftime, they can take that time, they can discuss what's going wrong, they can get a new game plan, they can all be on the same page, and the most important part of every game is the first few minutes of the second half. It doesn't matter what it is. It can change the direction. I kind of feel like I got a second half last week. You might be thinking, he thinks he's going to live to 120. <laughs> you could have a second half, and you could have more than one second half. It could be 20 or 80. I got one. So I challenge you to take this week, and as you pray, ask for direction. Ask to hear the words. I think you should carve out a little space. Even if you don't, he'll answer and you'll remember. If you ask that about what do you need to change in yourself to get in line with Jesus? Does he have something against you? If you ask that about the bridge, I look forward to hearing some of these answers. You will get answers. He does not like lukewarm. He will help you get there. Let me pray for us. Ah, Lord, thank you so much just for being our God. Wiring us the way we do, we're all different, Lord, and you know each one of us. So, Lord, I ask that in your way, you talk to each one of us, whether it's through Scripture, whether it's through counsel, or it's your Spirit. Help us know it's you, not ourselves. We love you, Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening. The Bridge Bible Church stands to exalt the name of Jesus. We seek to be a community that gives glory to Christ above all things and welcomes all people to join us in worshiping Him. If you don't have a church home, consider visiting ours. We are ordinary people who want to live life with authentic faith. For more information on how to get connected, deepen your faith, and experience what God has for you, please visit our website at thebridgewire.com.